Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And Natchez and company will reload. Now Natchez for the lane. Trying to work around Ben, as Tripp mentioned. Ben's been on the ice for a while. Natchez with a seat, and he does it again! Marty Natchez ends it in overtime! Carolina, 3-2 winners in Dallas! Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast with your host, Adam Gold. The Canes Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. And now, here's Adam. Welcome to the Kate's Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold, and apologies, some technical issues prevented this from getting out earlier in the morning, But and it is still officially the morning after podcast. It is the morning after Carolina's 3-2 overtime win in Dallas, and I got a bunch of things I want to get to. We don't have a ton of time because, you know, other stuff that not, needs to get done today, uh, but... I think you should be proud of your hockey team. A heck of a win over a really good team that I think is a Stanley Cup uh, potential team in the Dallas Stars. Anyway, uh, first of all, brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. On Hamlin Road in Durham, Sammy Hanna's crew do a great job. You should check them out online at AluminumCompany.com if you need any exterior home improvements. They do everything for the exterior of your home and a free no obligation estimate can be had online at aluminumcompany.com. All right. I got about four or five things, areas I want to get to. Uh, Only one of them would be considered a downside. All right. First thing we're going to do is we're just going to celebrate the Martin Natchez overtime wonderment. Uh, He has now got two overtime goals this year. Both of them are against the Dallas Stars. They hate Marty Natchez now. Uh, Just like Tampa has hated Marty Natchez in overtime in the past, he has two overtime goals against them and one against Florida. He also has a dynamite assist against the Florida Panthers. Martin Natchez, and I guess it makes sense, should be an overtime hero, uh, and he was an overtime hero again tonight. Although, I will say this. Jake Ottinger is a great goaltender. I don't know how he allowed that goal. I mean, it unless it was it deflected off the shot? I didn't see that. It looked like a bad goal to me. I think we would be vilifying the goaltender if he was on our team, if he allowed that goal. But um, anyway, Carolina will take it and we will run. All right, let's give uh, praise to Auntie Ranta. Shall we? Off the bench, go to the bullpen. Freddie Anderson got broken. I get. I have no idea what happened in the first period, but he didn't come out to start the second. Upper body injury did not return. Ronta stopped all 15 shots he saw. I thought there were some uh, not-so-great moments in the second period, his first, uh, but uh, who knows what that's 
what, what that was about, but he certainly got through it. Um, maybe he got a little bit fortunate, uh, especially on the Brian, was it the Brian Marshment uh, breakaway that was really unfortunate The in that it happened off of a Seth Jarvis pass to Yesberry Kotkaniemi right at the end of Carolina's power play. And Kotkaniemi was all alone in the slot. He had a great opportunity to score a power play goal, but the pass went through his legs and went all the way out into center ice, and Marshman's coming out of the penalty box. And he had a great chance to uh, to score. He kind of lost control of the puck a little bit, and Ronta came out not quite quick enough to poke the, check, poke the puck away. And I don't think Ronta got it, but he came close, and he certainly bothered Marsh. Marshman has better puck management, individual puck management issues there. Uh, he probably just slides it into an empty net, and it's a uh, not a not a shorthanded goal, but right after the power play expired. That and that guy's always dangerous coming out of the box. And Marshman has some offensive upside. Hadn't gone for him quite as well as it did a year ago in Florida. And maybe all we know is that Florida scored so many goals last year that everybody scored goals. Uh, but there, he was almost a point a game for uh, for a stretch there for Florida Panthers. Anyway. Uh, Ronta was spectacular in the third period. Flor- uh, Dallas's best period was the third period, and Ronta was spectacular. Think about this for Dallas. Over the course of the year, Dallas was has been a plus 28 team in the third period. Plus 28. I I don't even know how to process that to be plus 28 in the period. Carolina is minus eight in the third periods of hockey games this year. Dallas is plus 28 and Dallas played like it. I, I didn't think Carolina was bad. I thought Dallas chose the third period to be their best. Carolina was the better team in the first two. And as Rod Brindamore said, they should have gotten more out of the first period or shouldn't have given up two. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but Ronta was great in the third. Uh, he probably had four grade a scoring chances against him in the last four or five minutes. And that would have been a heartbreaker, but Ronta held him in, got him to overtime. I don't even think he had to make a save in overtime. Uh, I think Dallas lost control of the puck both times. Anta, uh, rather Sebastian Ajo stole the puck one point. Uh, I thought Carolina was really good in overtime. Maybe they're one of their better overtime periods uh, without being overly cautious. Like, they just managed the puck pretty well and re- retrieved it pretty well. And then, of course, Nature scores the goal. Uh, all right, let's get to one of the downsides real quick. Uh, not only Anderson uh, only playing the first period and I mean, I guess we had him for uh, four games and a period, so uh, we should be thankful for that. I don't know what what the deal is. Hopefully, he'll be okay. Hurricanes are not practicing on uh, Thursday, and they get back on the ice on Friday. So maybe we'll see Freddie at the morning skate, or maybe we'll get an email uh, in the next handful of minutes that the Hurricanes have recalled Pyotr Kachetkov from Chicago in the American Hockey League. Um, the two goals that were scored in the first period were absolute mistakes. Um, 
One, the first goal was a flat giveaway by Dylan Coughlin. At this, at some point, we're going to have to just recall Max Lejoie unless the Hurricanes are going to go out and get another defenseman. Just recall Max Lejoie and don't play Dylan Coughlin anymore because he's he's kind of a disaster. He's he can't skate. He's not fast enough to play Carolina style. He's got a great shot. I guess I've been saying this before. He could go to the American Hockey League and be a star. His score, he'd score 20 goals with that bomb just put him on the power play in uh in the American Hockey League. He'd score a bunch of goals. He don't even have to quarterback the power play. Just put that shot somewhere on the uh on the ice during a power play. He'd score a bunch of goals with that one timer. Put him put him over by the left faceoff circle. But he's not quick enough to skate. And he gave the puck away to Wyatt Johnston. And Johnston beat Freddie Anderson low between the pads. Uh, and I personally, I just didn't think Freddie appeared ready for that. I thought I thought the the whole play caught him by surprise, which, okay, fine. Uh, but that was just my read of it. And uh, I don't think I'm wrong there. But uh, I know there are people who like to protect Freddie Anderson. I love Freddie. I have no problem with Freddie. Uh, just trying to be uh, fair and balanced, if you will. Um, but I thought that Freddie just appeared to be caught off guard by the play, and I guess it's understandable. Although, if Dylan Conklin had the puck in the defensive end, I would just assume bad things were going to happen. All right, moving on to uh, the second goal, and that cannot happen. Like, Carolina was fortunate that the first one didn't go in. It was, And it wasn't wouldn't have been a bad goal. It would have been a, just an unlucky goal because it was a shot that really just popped up in the air and fluttered and landed behind Freddie. He did a good job to knock it out of harm's way. But after he did that, he didn't secure the post. He didn't get over and seal the post. And Jason Robertson, from behind the net, threw it off Freddie's, what, the back of his arm and in shoulder. I mean, that can't go. I can't, you can't do that. You can't, that kind of a goal can't go in. And so Carolina, after playing a really good first period, finds themselves down two one for two goals that, you know, you can't allow. So that would be the one negative that I've got from the game. Uh, positives continue. Sebastian Ajo was once again dynamite. Uh, the shorthanded goal, he and Brett Pesci with trying to think who was in the uh, penalty box. Seth Jarvis, I believe, was in the penalty box for a trip. And uh, Ajo and Pesci combined on a defensive play just inside the blue line. The puck, uh, I guess Pesci punched it off the wall, and Ajo was shot out of a cannon. He came in with so much speed down the left side, uh, opened up Ottinger and just slid it five-hole for a one nothing Carolina lead. It was a great, great Sebastian Ajo goal. And Rod even said it after the game, like, he's good, he anticipates. Obviously, he's got high level of skill. You're playing against guys who aren't ready to play defense, all of that. And then Rod said the quiet part out loud, man, he should have a lot more shorthanded goals. We all know this. Sebastian and breakaways have not always been 
best friends unless he's going against Pekka Rinne, apparently. I think that's basically uh, 50% of his successful breakaways, I think, have been against Rinne in his career. Uh, but that was Ajo's 200th career goal, his 16th shorthanded, uh, which is a which ties Eric Stahl for the franchise record, and it was his third shorthanded goal in January. Not bad for Sebastian Ajo. Uh, so that's obviously a positive. Adam Golden Studio with my man Ryan Monsine from the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You guys have tons of products. Let's talk about gutters, specifically the gutter helmet. Yeah, gutter helmets can make it so you never have to clean out the inside of your gutters again. And also, if you need new gutters, the Aluminum Company can help you out with that too. You don't have to stop, get a separate contractor to do the wood rot, the gutters. We can take care of it all. The Aluminum Company in North Carolina is a one-stop shop. We give free, no-obligation estimates. We can come out there, assess what you have going on with your gutters and make a recommendation and make it so you don't have to get up on a ladder and and do a dangerous chore anymore. People don't understand how dangerous it is. Or maybe I'm just nervous when I get on a step stool because I'm not very tall. But that product is amazing. The gutter helmet is amazing. Is it one size fits all? Absolutely. The gutter helmet can work on existing gutters, new gutters, five inch, six inch gutters. We can help you with it all. 800-672-4348 online, aluminumcompany.com for a free no obligation estimate for your gutter helmet. Jordan Stahl's line was absolutely dominant. They're on the ice to for the Brent Burns goal that made it 2-2. Jordan Stahl wins a faceoff. Jordan Martinuk gets Burns the puck, and Burns hit just unleashes an absolute howitzer. Uh, that, I mean, I think if he was 15 feet further out, maybe uh, Ottinger could get to it, but no chance. I mean, just an absolute rifle shot over the glove just under the bar from, I would say, if memory serves, uh, just on the uh, inner edge of uh, the left face-off circle. Just an absolute rifle. Uh, great shot. And Yanni Hockenpah was the defender on the play, and I don't think he wanted any part of that shot, and I don't blame him. Uh, but the captain line was great. Stall, Martinook, and Foss were all over the ice, they allowed nothing, nothing at all to Dallas uh, in terms of uh, possession stats. 13-1, Corsi 4, and against for the stall line. They were just absolutely dominant. Um, and that's when Carolina's on their game, those guys are on theirs. Uh, it is such, It is such an indicator for what Carolina is when those guys are playing well. All right, two, um, let's get just the other goals real quick. Uh, Well, I guess guess we went through them. There weren't that many goals. There were just five goals. Now to why I think this win is a a really important win. It has nothing to do with the standings, although Carolina now leads the Devils by two points. The Rangers, who lost in overtime to Toronto last night, are eight behind Carolina. But here's where I think this was a great win. And again, it has nothing to do with the standings. I think the Dallas Stars are exactly the type of a team you're going to have to beat to win a Stanley Cup. Like Dallas has an, a unique blend. And if you look at their uh, their profile this year, 
They are creating tons of chances. They are finishing them at a pretty high rate. They've got, they're one of the top scoring teams in the league. They've got great goaltending, superb skating on the back end. Maybe not like Colorado when they're healthy, but not that far away from it. But they are just big and deep and talented. And Rope Hints isn't even like they're not even close to their best player. Right? Jason Robertson is a machine. He's got 33 goals. Uh, they have a guy like Wyatt Johnson who scored the first goal. I mean, he's got 13. These guys, these guys are an outstanding offensive club. They play the right way. Uh, they really play Carolina style. They might even play it better than Carolina in terms of creating chances, not allowing chances. These are these are the two of the best teams in the NHL at creating scoring chances. Dallas allows a few more than Carolina does. Uh, I think Carolina defensively on the blue line is better at, w- within their best defenders. But man, Dallas is dynamic offensively, and they do have a high level of finish. And on top of that, tons of size. And then you add the fact that they have got players who at times have struggled in past years, but Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan have not struggled this year. Joe Pavelski is, I mean, fountain of youth. So they've got those three guys who have combined for 47 goals this year heading into last night. They didn't score last night, but those they've combined for 47 goals, those three. Um, Sagan, different player, player, and I think Pete DeBoer has made a big, big difference in how this team approaches the game. And in years past, they have been more of a counter-punching team, um, you know, willing to let you have the puck and then pounce on opportunities. But they have the puck a lot now. It's a completely different, it looks like a completely different approach. Uh, I, I just think Dallas is a legit team. Maybe, maybe, well, right now, they're the best team in the Western Conference. I mean, in terms of points percentage, nobody is ahead of them in the West. But um, there's obviously a lot of competition because they're not head and shoulders better than anybody in the West. But, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we saw Dallas in the Stanley Cup Finals. And Carolina's now played them twice, beat them twice in overtime. Uh, This game was well, uh, much better played than the uh, the first game, which is sort of a gong show, 5-4 overtime win. In Raleigh, Carolina blew a two-goal lead twice in that. There just wasn't great goaltending, and it was a parade to the penalty box for both sides. There were 13 minor penalties called in the first two periods in the first game with the Dallas Stars. Yeah, Carolina had seven, and the Stars had six. Each team had to deal with a little bit of a five-on-three power play. Carolina scored on theirs. Dallas did not. Dallas only had, about, I think, 20 seconds of a five-on-three in that game. Carolina had a little bit more of an extended look five-on-three and scored. I think it was Tavo Teravon in goal uh, that scored five-on-three. Anyway, the um, that was just a weird game, and the goaltending was not great. This one, I thought the goaltending, for the most part, was outstanding. I thought Ottinger, except for maybe the last goal, the overtime winner, 
I thought he was excellent. And Ranta didn't allow anything in the 15 shots that he saw. So he was my first star of the game. My stars were uh, Natchez, Ajo, and, um, and Ranta. And Natchez only got the star because he got the game-winning goal. Because, uh, to be honest, the Jordan Stahl line was one of the three stars. If you want to give it to the captain, that's fine. But I thought Foss was good. I thought Martinook was good. Uh, we did have the uh, the now nightly scratch your head. How did they come up with that decision? Uh, referee uh, maneuver with. All right. So here's the play. I don't remember who the Dallas player was, but Stasny and Pesci um, were defending on the play. And it actually looked like Stasny might've gotten it with a high stick. And. Pesci was in the vicinity and the, the player goes down. No call. Because again, other than the high stick, there wasn't anything there. And Luke Glendening comes flying in gloves off and he's going after Brett Pesci. Now Glendening said after the game that he didn't even see the play, but he was mad. So he went after Pesci. Somehow out of that, which is an automatic instigator penalty. Because Glendening was not involved in the play at all. Somehow, that ends up matching fighting majors. I know they fought, so okay. But how on this earth did Dallas not get the extra minor penalty? I just don't understand that. It don't. It, night in and night out, we are confused by what we see with NHL officiating. Night in and night out. Uh, and that was just another case where uh, you have time. You get Everybody gets together. All right, Luke Lundetting wasn't in. All right, that's instigator. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, is there anything else to, to dole out here? Not really. Two guys threw punches at each other. All right, then. We're good. Five each for fighting. Two-minute instigator, whatever else comes with that, we're 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 done. Let's get out of here. Uh, let's let's keep playing hockey. And I don't know how they didn't come up with that decision. But then again, I don't know. I didn't know how you could punch a guy in the throat and not get a flagrant one at least. The Duke Virginia Tech game. For those of you who didn't see it, I don't get it. I don't understand. Maybe maybe I need to learn the rules. Real quick before we say goodbye here on the Canes Corner Podcast. Andrei Svechnikov, now no goals in 11 games. Must change. We don't have to go any further. Must change. Uh, Seth Jarvis, one goal in 17 games. Must change. On the positive side, Yasperi Kotkaniemi has bumped back up between Svechnikov and Natchez, and this is something that Rod Brindamore didn't want to do because he believes that Kokaniemi is most effective right now as the center on the fourth line. He gets power play time, uh, and he gets other shifts here and there, but ultimately Rod thinks he's most comfortable playing in that role. So this was because Natchez and Svechnikov deserve a higher level player right now than Paul Stasny. 
It brings us to the trade deadline issues that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks in that you've got all this cap room. You're not obligated to use it, but if you identify uh, what you need as an organization, I don't think there's any question that Carolina has at least two positions they want to upgrade if they want to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, the first is second-line center. That is not if it's first. Um, they need a number two center. It's not Paul Stasny. It's not, yes, Barry Kotkaniemi at this point of his career. Uh, in time, uh, you know, maybe Kotkaniemi can become that, but he's not it now. They're not going to move Natchez to the middle. I don't believe Rod wants to do that. Uh, so they have to go find themselves a number two center. And you've got the cap space to use it. Uh, I know they don't really want to give up the capital in terms of uh, player slash draft picks to get Bo Horvat. I get it. They're not giving up Seth Jarvis. They're not giving up Martin Natchez. They're not giving up Piotr Kachetkov. And they are not giving up Jalen Chatfield in, the, in, in a deal. Chat, not that Chatfield is a world beater, although almost 22 minutes on his offside playing with Brent Burns and again playing really well. Maybe he is a world beater, but he is a very good defenseman on an NHL minimum contract next year. I do not see this organization giving him away. On top of the fact that he's probably, when Carolina does the extension for him, he's probably not going to be that expensive. I mean, I think that you could probably pencil Chatfield in for, oh, I don't know, between two and three million a year. And he can play anywhere in your top uh, four or five right now. But he proved it. He's proved it the last two games. He's been excellent playing his offside. And what it also does is it allows you, if you want, to bring in a right defender, right shot defenseman, who can help on the power play. And I, I know I've used the example of Tony D'Angelo, but I'll use it again. Uh, and I've said this before. This is two games in a row, and this one is a much greater indicator than the game against the, the, the Islanders. But Chatfield was really good on his offside against a team like Dallas. So... Uh, if he can play his offside and he's not going to be on a top pair, because that'll be Jacob Slavin when he comes back, theoretically. Um, but if Chatfield's playing on a third pair and you bring in a right shot blue liner who can also run your power play, then Chatfield can play his offside. He's proven it. So uh, that kid is just amazing. So to me... Uh, there were so many cool things about it. We obviously want Jacob Slavin back, um, but Chatfield looked really, really good. So Carolina needs a left. They they need a left defenseman. They need somebody to play it in place of Calvin DeHaan. And I say this after Calvin DeHaan played a really good game last night, but he's not equipped at this stage of his career to do that over and over and over again. And you need somebody to do that a lot more often than Calvin DeHaan has been able to do that. He has been getting by, uh, and Carolina has really minimized his exposure. Uh, but I, I said this a few years ago in the playoffs. Rod Brindamore does not want to be in a position when we get to the playoffs where 
he's got to put, and I said this about Jake Bean, Jake Bean out on the ice in double overtime where he's, where all of a sudden Jake Bean's got to play eight minutes or nine minutes of a period. Because injuries happen, you can't have your defense exposed to the point where, oh my gosh, Calvin DeHaan's got to play 26 minutes tonight, and that's no good. So they need somebody in front of Calvin DeHaan, somebody better than Calvin DeHaan, more equipped to play more. Uh, And then we get to the number two center spot. They need it. They absolutely need it. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, I guess you could get away with not having it if you find another, you know, forward who can score. But ultimately, this team's needs, I think, are another center who can play in between Ajo and Jordan Stahl. Um, So Kokaniemi can go back to the fourth line. And again, last year, they should have been, it should have been this way. It wasn't. The Hurricanes need to get it, figure out a way to make that fourth line more impactful offensively. And by the time we get to that point in the season, depending on what they do at the de- deadline, it might look like more of a scoring line. It really could. Um, and then Rod could use it a little bit more. Um, but this is where we are. Uh, and that's it for the Canes Corner Podcast. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Check them out online, aluminumcompany.com, and follow the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Hope you enjoy it, and I hope you'll join us after the game against the San Jose Sharks on Friday night from PNC Arena. And then, oh my gosh, the Boston Bruins come to town on Sunday afternoon, a matinee, a 5 o'clock start. So that'll get us all to bed earlier. That'll be nice. Um, and none of us will be interested in what's going on in the football games. We'll just be focused intently on the Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins coming up on Sunday at PNC Arena. And until Friday against the Sharks, I'm Adam, and we will see you then. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Hey, I want to drive The Canes Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network.